Mindfulness Mode, Episode 8. You can climb a mountain for 15 hours in a day, and the whole day is one big mindfulness practice. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Today, we're talking to Brent Seal. He's a mountain climber, adventurer, athlete, mental health advocate, and mindfulness guy. Last time, we talked to Debbie Cundy-Owen, who uses mindfulness in her family coaching practice. If you know any athletes who want to increase their focus and reach success, talk to them about subscribing to Mindfulness Mode Podcast. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for the great feedback on iTunes. I want to thank Valerie of Be More Spontaneous, John and Lynette, M. Dasiak, Dacia A., and Michael Neely. Thanks again for the great comments and five-star reviews. If you think we're a five-star show, get your own name mentioned at the top of an upcoming show by leaving an iTunes five-star review. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Brent Seal on the line with me today. Hey, Brent, are you in mindfulness mode? Absolutely. Awesome. That's great. Brent Seal is an inspirational spokesperson for mental health. He has personally confronted his own mental health issues back in 2007. At that time, he struggled and even got to the point of attempting suicide. Fortunately, he's helped countless others learn from his own story. Brent has a business degree, is a TEDx speaker, and also founded a social enterprise to help others called Mavericks. Besides all this, Brent is a mountain climber and adventurer. Brent, tell us a little bit more about your life before university. Share with Mindful Tribe what it was like growing up. Mm, well, I had a fairly typical upbringing. I was, you know, loved sports and had friends and had a good family. Um, really just had a lot of fun playing around growing up. Uh, but then a sort of transition happened in high school where I, you know, you're searching for that acceptance from people and started dabbling into the party lifestyle, the smoking pot, drinking, etc. But at the very same time, I was playing hockey at a high level. So that sort of kept the appearance of success there in my life. Um, so just sort of kept it together. Uh, yeah. The hockey thing didn't really work out. I was trying to get a U.S. scholarship. I'm from Vancouver, Canada, so I was trying to. Big thing is trying to get scholarships to U.S. schools, which didn't really happen. So then I moved to uh, Whistler uh, for a couple of years to pursue snowboarding as a potential career, uh, trying to get sponsored, uh, but also just wrapped up in that party lifestyle of Whistler, which is a big party town, and really. Not sure of what I was doing with my life, but I, you know, I'd graduated high school, just bumming around, working in rental shops and whatnot, restaurants, and then decided to go to university because I had been making you know eight nine dollars an hour. Didn't see any prospects for my future staying in Whistler, and thought, oh, I'll give university a try. My sisters had done that. My parents were encouraging that, and so I thought that university was going to be the transition mode back to, you know, active, engaged student. And I thought that would be really easy. And the first semester of university, I just got much deeper into the party mode uh, and realized that I, that's not why I went to university. And so I just decided to quit partying cold turkey and 
that's really when the struggles started to happen, when I started to isolate myself. And I think the chemical changes in my brain started to create some paranoia and create some struggles and stress. And again, just feeling like I didn't know who I was and the self-identity was just, I was trying to change. I was trying to transform my life. But again, what I thought would take a month or two turned out to take much longer and, and involve much deeper struggles than I really was aware of at the time. So I guess it just hit you in that first month or two of university that, hey, you know, this isn't right. What do you think was it that helped you understand that you needed to change your direction at that point? Mm-hmm. Well, it was an interesting, a really interesting experience of uh, the first year of university. I was two years older than everybody. I just lived in Whistler for a couple of years. I was a big party guy. So I just sort of became this popular sort of cool guy in a way that I had never experienced before. And it was almost as if I was fulfilling a teenage dream I'd always had to be that sort of cool popular guy where the, the girls all over you got a lot of friends, sort of the life of the party type of guy. And the interesting thing about it was I realized that, that it was, was not me. It was, and I don't judge that type of person. I don't, I'm not saying that's wrong with it, but it just, for me, it just wasn't who I was and it it sort of felt fake and unfulfilling and that the friendships weren't really real and, and you can say they were or weren't, but just to me, it just didn't feel right. And so it was a strange feeling of I'm living my dream here. This is what I've been working towards. I mean, sort of for a lot of long time and I'm fulfilling that and it's, it's not what I thought it would be. And that sort of triggered this feeling of, I got to change something. And this, I got to just do some drastic changes in my life to rethink everything. And it just made me, that's what it made me do is rethink everything, my relationships, my actions, my direction, and why I was in school, why I was doing anything. And, And it just, it spun me into this sort of uncontrollable spiral of thought and inward inward direction of really thinking everything through probably too much, right? Um, because I didn't have the, the mechanisms in place to, the supports in place to really stay with reality. And that's where I started to really slip downhill in terms of my um, paranoid thinking and, and stressing myself out with all this stuff. Right. And so you kind of fell into a self-identity that you didn't want to have. And and I'm just wondering, you're, you're talking about your thoughts and your way of thinking and and how you started to struggle then at what point did mindfulness become something that you you realized could really help you these struggles were happening in fall of 2004 into 2005 etc playing out for the next couple of years into 2007 even so uh, with with some major mental health challenges and episodes of psychosis and as you mentioned the suicide attempt in in 2007 so the the idea even of mindfulness didn't really even enter my brain until much later um 2009 10 11 12 those kind of years so mm-hmm. um when it entered onto my brain I didn't really understand it very well uh I I just wasn't clear on how how it related to meditation or wasn't sure if it was the same thing as meditation so for a while it sort of entered into my awareness with some lack of clarity but then over time I started to understand it more and started to adapt it to my own life in my own unique ways and that I'm not necessarily one to 
sit there and do a lot of meditating, but just the idea of being more mindful of our thoughts, being more mindful of our actions, being more mindful of everything. Just to me, it means just being more aware of what we're doing, why we're doing it, who's in our lives, all the things, the core components of our life that make up our lives, just being more mindful, more aware of them. So then you must have started doing more mindful practice, more mindfulness things. Is that right? You start exercising it more after that? Mm. And, and again, it's not, not so much in a formal way, but to me, one of the best forms of mindfulness for me is, are the adventures I do, right? Right. Um, for example, trail running. Uh, when I'm trail running, especially downhill, uh, because mindfulness really is, a lot of it's about being aware of the present moment, right? yes. I think. It is. And so, <laughs> so when you're trail running downhill quite fast, there's no time, no room to be worrying about the future, dwelling on the past. You have to be in such a f- specific moment, like a split second moment. You have to be in the present moment to the to the point one second, because you're you have to be adjusting your foot placements and running around roots and trees and rocks. And so, to me, that feeling of trail running downhill especially but also mountaineering hiking backpacking getting out into nature where you're detached from technology detached from our modern world and just lost in nature lost in the present moment Uh, and that that can sometimes last for me i mean you can climb a mountain for 15 hours in a day and the whole day is one big mindfulness practice one big meditation right for the entire day or or a weekend and to me that's one of the main ways I practice it, because again, I, I've tried to sit there and meditate. I've tried uh, yoga and these things just I can't really get myself to do. But I've found other ways to practice mindfulness in, in ways that work for me and the adventures, but also in daily life. So it's also I'm working at home. I work from home. I work at a coffee shop. It's just working throughout my day and just being aware, just being aware of how I'm feeling. And if I'm feeling stressed, being aware of that, accepting that, being okay. And, um, and, and then once I'm aware of it, I can take some actions that are healthy that can pop me out of that. So I can get some exercise. I can drink a smoothie. I can do something productive and constructive rather than destructive and self-sabotaging. And that's one of the things I lacked before was I'd feel bad, like a lot of people do, and I'd find a negative coping tool, uh, drink some alcohol, I'd complain, I'd uh, just slouch around, mope around, and, and it made it worse rather than making it better. So just that awareness of my emotional state, my feelings, my uh, surroundings, uh, and, and coping tools that are productive, constructive rather than destructive has, has certainly helped a lot. Right, and I, I really like how you said your sports that you love – is really mindfulness for you. And I interviewed Zephan Blacksburg, and Zephan talks about rowing. He just loves rowing, and it's the same kind of thing for him. Mm-hmm. But yet, as you've described, some of us, we may love sports, but we fall into that other place of just, you know, becoming a couch potato or, you know, just drinking some alcohol or something. What do you think was the difference for you? What gave you that motivation to change your life and get out there and just do that sport, which gave you the mindfulness element? I think is, uh, I think it just comes down to focusing on and clarifying what I care about more than anything. Mm-hmm. And what excites me more than anything, and really focusing on the overlap of those two ideas, 
sort of the Venn, di- Venn diagram of what I care about, what excites me, and realizing there's some overlap there. What, what, what's that overlap? What are those activities? Who are those people? What's the environments that, that overlaps? And just make my life as much of those things as possible. And once I started to do that, it changed everything in a positive way. Uh, people that started to come into my life, the activities I got into, the adventures, the now running Mavericks, just all a result of focusing on those two things, really. And I, I wasn't even really aware of that starting out. I just be, sort of became aware of that about a year ago or less. Of all the sports that you do, which one seems like it helps you be most mindful? Well, as I mentioned, the trail running downhill, um, but the the one that I probably do most uh, is mountaineering, and right. uh, especially over the summers. And I mean, the the beauty of the mountaineering adventures is that, as I mentioned, it can last the whole day, and often does. And you know, you're out there. If it's a day trip, it could be four to four to fifteen hours. If it's an overnight trip, it could be two to four or five days or longer. And that to me is such a, it's almost like a reset to your nervous system, a reset to your mindset. Mm-hmm. And you come back after a big weekend like that into your work week, just refreshed and re-energized. And you think, oh, you must be tired because of big long days. But actually, it's it's like uh, Brendan Bouchard talks about, the power plant doesn't make energy, it generates energy, right? So you're... right. By getting active and, and recharging your batteries, by, by getting active, you're, you're refreshing yourself and actually energizing yourself more, not making yourself more tired, which is it's, it's sort of counterintuitive, but somehow how our body and mind works. Is that right. On those excursions where you're out for three or four days, do you feel like you're in mindfulness mode for the entire time? Uh, no, I don't, I don't want to... I don't wanna, need to say like I'm always in a positive mindset but because you know there's challenges right sure. there's fear there's sometimes there's risk of dying and or avalanches or crevasses so um but at the same time I am very mindful the whole time too because it requires that right I mean you're you know we we're climbing Mount Rainier uh three four weeks ago mm-hmm and you don't really have the option not to be mindful because you have to be aware of pretty much everything, a lot of things, the whole entire time. You have to be aware of your uh, food, your energy, your your temperature, your how your feet are doing. You have to be aware of the conditions, the wind, the weather. The if there's crevasses, you have to be aware of your team members. So there's a lot of things that re- require your awareness and your attention. So that it almost forces you into being mindful. So not to say that you're always in a, as I mentioned, a positive mindset, but being mindful the entire time is much easier, right? Rather than going about your daily life and just sort of floating through it when there's no risk or no hazards or no stress. I mean, really the idea of being stress-free is is a flawed one because stress makes us focused. Stress makes us motivated. So it's about really using that stress to your, to to your benefit rather than being consumed by it but it, the the idea is not to be stress free i don't think right. right yeah i would totally agree with you brent brent i'm really fascinated with your social enterprise that you put together mavericks how did mm-hmm. it come about and and what is it exactly mm so mavericks uh i went fully self employed with mavericks last summer so about a year ago uh and the idea is to promote 
mental health and wellness and really make mental health matter to people because uh, based on my struggles and recovery and volunteering in mental health and working in mental health and sharing my story uh, across the country is really that realization that a lot of especially young people aren't aware of their mental health don't have tools to improve their mental health or overcome mental health challenges, don't have the language to be able to talk openly about it, don't have the comfort in talking about it. So there's all these barriers to strong mental health, to positive mental health, barriers from society, barriers from ourselves, barriers from lack of ed- education mm-hmm. or awareness. And really what we're tackling are those barriers in especially the ability to get yourself support when you need it, or get your friends and family support when you need it, and be able to enhance your mental health so that you're not just struggling and getting by, but really thriving and sharing. And that's the whole point of it. The programs I run is giving people, especially young people, as I mentioned, the tools, the language, the strategies to overcome mental health challenges, whether that's diagnosed depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, something like that, or not diagnosed, just just struggling, getting by. What percentage of Mavericks is about education, or is it all? It's pretty much all about education and awareness. That's right. all, all the trainings. I mean, I run a, a high school training program called The Edge. It's all about education around mental health and wellness. I run a speaker training program for youth that want to share their stories and get paid for it called the Leap Academy, which stands for lived experience and paid. That's about educating them around speaking skills related to mental health. I'm going to be running an adventure program launching soon that's about uh, adventures, but also about raising awareness that you know mental illness does not have to be a life sentence. We can still pursue uh, big goals and dreams, and we can climb big mountains and, and share our stories about that living with all sorts of illnesses. So, so yeah, it's, it's a lot to do with education and awareness. Right. So do you uh, confine your work with Mavericks to the province of British Columbia, or do you work outside of the, your area? Yeah, so most of the programs I'm running currently, because it's still so new within the past year, is, are in British Columbia. Yes. Uh, but in terms of my speaking, I speak all over the place. Uh, so speaking is something I can do anywhere, uh, public speaking. And eventually the plan is to transform my programs more from in-person to online, which will open up the option to uh, run them and lead them anywhere um, in the world, really, because you know, then anybody can just sign up online and as, as an individual. Right. So do you yeah. have any training available online right now? Uh, I just launched a stress management little mini course, uh-huh. and so that um, will be available from my main website, mavericks.com. Um, right. And so by the time actually this podcast goes live, that right. will be live. But uh, other than that, uh, everything is just either um, in person or run through local schools. Where do you think you'll be with Mavericks a year from now? Well, there's there's lots of things in the pipeline so it's hard to say but mm-hmm. really the focus and direction is as i mentioned moving things more online so that it uh, can have more reach uh, wider reach uh, i want to have my core programs just more established so the edge high school training program will also expand out to things other than high schools and as i mentioned individuals the Leap Academy, I've only launched currently uh, to specific youth, so sort of stealth launch, private launch, but that will be 
happening. A, a public launch will happen uh, in spring of 2016 for that. The adventure program, which I'm working again behind the scenes on right now, will launch soon. So I'm hoping that'll be more established and really just establishing these programs as individual standalone programs that also support each other all within the Mavericks brand. And so it's, it's really building that Mavericks brand and building the programs within Mavericks that'll be focused on to, to help people with very specific things, right? So if you're looking for awareness and education around mental health and wellness and strategies to perform at a higher level, hey, that's the edge. If you're looking to, you know, you're a youth with mental health challenges, you're looking to make money at it, that's Leap Academy. And if you're looking to get, have some fun, connect with people and have some adventures, that, that'd be the adventure program. So you're really giving a lot of opportunities to youth in this whole area, aren't you? Yeah, that's that's the idea is that uh, when I grew up, this type of awareness just didn't seem to be there. And that's changing, not just not because of me, but because of a lot of factors happening in society right now, just a lot more awareness about it, about mental health and wellness. So that's a positive direction I think we're going in. And I just want to contribute to that. I just want to be a part of that because I care. As I mentioned, that's that's one of the things I care mostly about is that feeling of uh, just empathizing with that young person that's struggling and doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know how to get support, and just to be a spark of a bit of hope to say, you know what, if you get some skills, some strategies, you can overcome this. If you talk openly about this, it'll actually lift a, a huge weight off your shoulders and you don't have to hide, you don't have to make up stories, you can just get that support you need because once you open up, you realize that people really do care even if it doesn't feel like it at the time. And and that's been my experience. And it's just like, spread that, spread that message and spread the awareness around that, the education and the strategies. Because that's been my life the past six to eight years is just studying all these kind of topics around success and mental health and wellness and nutrition and fitness and support systems and right. rest and recovery and applying it and, and realizing, hey, this stuff works. And now let's just share that with other people. Right. I, I want to ask you if you've ever had any doubts. I mean, you talked a little bit about it, but, you you know, you learned about mindfulness and kind of what it was gradually. But then once you got doing mindfulness in your own life, did you ever start thinking, geez, I don't know about this. I, this doesn't even make sense. It's not legit. Did you ever have thoughts like that? Uh, not really in the way I've used it. I've, I've had doubts and, and been unsure of that mindfulness was for me at the, the start because I just associate it directly with meditation and, and sort of yoga, right? So I, I right. sort of thought that was the only way to practice mindfulness. And after learning more about it and talking to people that sort of knew, uh, then I realized actually you can practice mindfulness doing any type of thing. I mean, you could be mindful reading a book. You could be mindful journaling. You could be mindful playing your guitar if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, for me... I mean, I really look at people in four main categories of sort of your primary strength or passion. And it really boils down to artistic, athletic, academic, and social. And I think we all have bits and pieces of each of those. But I think each of us has one of those areas that's sort of more dominant than the others. And they, of course, spread out and branch out into thousands of different branches. But me realizing that my main core strength and passion at a fundamental level is the athletics, the sports, I, I realize that that's where I can be mindful right? in my adventures, in the sports. Uh, and that can 
flow over to the other areas, but just realizing that made me, I don't know, made it easier to be able to practice mindfulness and, and I didn't have to force myself to sit on a couch or lay there and try to force myself to meditate when I just couldn't get myself to do that. Right. That makes sense. Uh, very good. Brent, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round and I just want to get you to answer short 30-second answers. That would be perfect. Here's the first question. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? I think it was, uh, I was working at a children's hospital as a peer support worker, project worker for three years. And my manager there, Hing, who was a, uh, she was a holistic nutritionist. She was a social worker. She was really bridged the Eastern, Western medical modes and just really fascinating person. And she, she was one of the first people to bring mindfulness to my awareness. And again, I didn't fully understand it too much at first, but she sort of popped it into my awareness and we had a lot of interesting conversations about not only mindfulness, but superfoods and all sorts of things. And so I'd, I'd have to say my old manager, Hing. Yeah. Cool. How has mindfulness affected your emotions or those of your coaching clients? I think for myself, it's been just a, a more sense of calm, uh, less of a sense of being overwhelmed. So when I'm moving towards stressful situations, being overwhelmed, I can, I can just take a step back in a bigger picture and just feel more calm, feel more acceptance of, okay, this is going to be tough. This is going to be a big day, big week. This is, this is uncomfortable. I'm, I'm not feeling good, but I can accept it and know that it'll pass. Ah, and I've done that on adventures too, where you just, you're really in a negative mental mindset and uh, this isn't going to go well. This is something's wrong, but just allow accepting it and saying this will pass and, and just letting it pass as it always does. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice, Brent. Uh, breathing is not a huge part of my mindfulness practice, I wouldn't say, but it also, I do use it from time to time in terms of taking a deep breath because I also know when you take a deep breath, it triggers some emotional reaction to, to actually physiologically calm yourself down. So being aware of breathing and when those stressful situations come up, taking some deep breaths and being mindful of the breath has helped me from time to time yeah, just calm down and de-stress in a moment, in a quick moment's notice. Right. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? Uh, actually, someone from the children's hospital I was working at called Dr. Vo, he wrote a really good book on mindfulness called Mindfulness for Teens. Uh, and so that, I think that would be the book. Yeah. Perfect. Can you share an app which helps you be more mindful? Mm, there's a really good app uh, called MindShift, and it's a free app, and it has a lot of tools, journaling, uh, some visualization activities, uh, some all sorts of uh, activities related to it that uh, is a pretty cool app called MindShift. Uh, what advice would you give a person who's new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Mm, I'd say don't get overwhelmed by the idea or confused by it, just think of mindfulness as your awareness of what you're doing. So whether that's, you know, cleaning dishes and you're just sitting there thinking, you know, this is, this is what I'm doing, cleaning dishes to contribute to the household and just trying to focus on getting in a positive mindset and breaking the patterns of negative mental thinking. Uh, that's really what mindfulness is about for me is, is being aware of what I'm doing and being aware of, negative negativity, breaking those patterns, and just create more positivity. 
Brand, I worked in bullying prevention for quite a while, and I'm wondering if you have a story that relates bullying to mindfulness, maybe about yourself or someone you know. Not, not really so much that I can think of, but mm-hmm. uh, I think you know, bullying's clearly a, a big issue, not just in schools but in society. Yes, uh, and I think being mindful, we we can all be better at being mindful of when we are contributing to the bullying. So not just when we're being bullied, but I think we can all sort of be bullies from time to time without even knowing it. And whether that's being a little too aggressive or a little bit too demanding in our personal relationships, in our intimate relationships, in our with our family, with our careers, um, we can all just be a little more mindful of when we're overstepping those boundaries for that we're comfortable with or that the people we're relating with are uncomfortable with and just do a better job at that and that I think can improve our society in small ways because um, I think we can all as I mentioned be sort of bullies without even knowing it from time to time so right Brent I'm just wondering if there's anyone listening today who is having some mental health issues what would your message be to them Uh, I think my message to you would be it's a normal thing to experience it's you haven't done anything to to cause it. It's not your fault that you're struggling with your mental health. These are things beyond most of our control. And even if you feel like a bad person and that you have caused it, uh, you know there are people that care about you and that can help you with it. And you can apply some strategies, learn about it by talking openly about it. But it really comes down to talking openly about it, sharing the fact that you're struggling with somebody that you trust and can rely on. And if you can't, find someone like that in your life can't think of someone like that in your life look up a crisis line look up you can always call 911 if you need to if you feel really at risk to harm yourself or others there's websites like mindcheck.ca that you can do self-assessments on so there are online tools and people in your life that you can talk to and get support sure tell us how mindful tribe can contact you and learn more about what you do bren Mm, the main way to contact me is mavericks.com that links to all my social media. It has free training on there. Has how to hire me as, as a speaker. Uh, it's mostly hubbed around mavericks.com, which is M-A-V-R-I-X-X.com. I want to emphasize that spelling M-A-V-R-I-X-X. So that's mavericks.com. And yes. I'll definitely be connecting up with you there and checking out more about what you have on your site. And Brent, I want to thank you again for joining us today. It's really fascinating to hear how you apply mindfulness to your life, how you use it through your sports and your activities. And it really is a big part of your life from the sounds of it. So I want to thank you so much for being with us today and all the best to you. Yeah, no, thank you, Bruce. It's, it's been a pleasure and uh, yeah, look forward to staying connected. All right. Bye now. Okay, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.